Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey Southwest Live for April 11th, 2021. Tonight's scheduled guest, Brendan Shaw, member of national champion UMass's original D1 team. Behind the Mask College Hockey Southwest Live is brought to you by Verizon Wireless. Experience Verizon's 5G and 5G Ultra Band for business. Verizon Wireless 5G built right. The NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV and watch the best in college hockey all season long. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to BehindTheMask.com and gear up for the new season or any season on ice or in line. Roger Klein's Canteon Tequila. For the best margaritas and more, go to MexicanMoonshine.com to see how to get your bottle today. UNLV Hockey, ACHA Division I Hockey, under the bright lights of Las Vegas. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, stop in and pick up any of our award-winning sauces on your way home at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Caesars Entertainment Resorts, anywhere you want to go, you can bet there's a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. Burrito Express, the East Valley's home of the always available breakfast burrito. Go to burritoexpress.com for the location near you. And by College Bar and Grill at 740 Southville Avenue in Tempe. ASU alumni owned and operated. College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans, college hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans, any type of hockey fan. This is College Hockey Southwest Live presented by our friends at Behind the Mask at BehindTheMask.com or their three locations in uh, the Phoenix metro area. Scott Strandy joining you after a 12-hour, 864-mile, five-state drive today. I am parked in the beautiful Harris uh, Kansas City Hotel and uh, just enjoyed a nice dinner, and I'm ready to talk hockey. So, Paul Hornstein out on Long Island, New York, how are you? Uh, are, are you done talking about your, dra- your traveling? Because I'm trying to wake up now. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, Paul. <sighs> you know, this is after you're traveling, you know, the frozen four and the frozen face off and, and blah, 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 blah. Don't forget the, the, the U.S. national development team. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We, we can't forget about the U.S. that game, too. We, we, you know, the bio and, and the, We can't forget about that. Yeah, and don't forget about the uh, the two games I'm going to see Tuesday and Wednesday with the Colorado Eagles and uh, Bakersfield. <laughs> and then let's not forget that we're going to see the ACHA uh, national tournament. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, how are you? Are you feeling better? Uh, I'm feeling better. Uh, my stomach's a little, still a little cranky. Still got the headache, but um, definitely feeling better. Um, you know, it can beats I, what I was I going through yesterday. Else, can I tell you who else is feeling better? You, because there wasn't any three overtimes yesterday. Well, that too. But the UMass no. Minutemen are feeling great because they scored. Three even strength goals, a shorthanded goal, a power play goal, and completely dominated a very good St. Cloud State team uh, from start to finish. It was never out of control except for one of the very first shots in the first five minutes of the game that I happened to get a picture of that 
one off the crossbar. Um, otherwise, it was never in doubt. The uh, Minutemen were the team that was going to win that game uh, from the opening faceoff. So, congratulations to Coach. Well, Carver let's uh, no, no, come on now. Let's 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 you know until a couple of minutes after that crossbar, it you know St. Clouds owned the first few minutes. Okay, you know, after the, I said, after the, first the crossbar. Five minutes. <laughs> They own the first five minutes. And by the way, a, a a highlight film for the ages shorthanded goal. Oh yeah. But Laganov? Yeah. Laganov. Yeah, yeah. I, I got that. Did you see it? Did you I, see I, I, I saw it? it. I saw it. You sent it to <laughs> okay. me, believe me. As as bad as I was feeling, you made sure <laughs> you sent it all. You know, hey. What a sweet move that was. He got past the defender was, and he just waited out the goaltender. It was uh, sweet. It was a great move, a, a misplay probably by the defenseman who didn't take the body. And that's what happens when you don't take the body. Yeah, you got when caught you puck look, watching. You got caught looking at the puck and you don't. That is, if you're a coach, you chop that film up and say, ladies and gentlemen, this is what happens, especially when you have the man advantage. When you don't take the body and you play the puck instead. Well, and I'm not looking to get on on Perbix's case because he's a very good defenseman. Yeah, he just well, made a mistake. Yep, and that happens. That happens. You know, um, I just but it, but as a coach, you got to point that out, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, the the uh, and listen. The game was over early enough where, because I don't know if I had a third period in me, to be honest. <laughs> I was struggling uh, with 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 getting through those first two periods, and I honestly didn't feel uh, very much guilt about turning off the third period and going to sleep because a I needed it, uh, b um, I, I didn't want to rub it in that a that a Long Island kid got named the most outstanding player. Um, Trevino, what did you see the picture I put up of him? Uh, I got him. I, I, I got him so doing his patented slide. He was doing his slide. Oh, after I don't he pay scored that, that goal. Oh, that I don't pay. Fantastic. I don't pay. I don't pay attention to those celebrations. To me, they're they're fine, whatever. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, look at the celebration. No, he might. He probably is a very great kid. I'm sure he is. And uh, uh, just and saying. then the the second goal of the game was scored by the greatest name in hockey, Reed Lebster, better known no. as Ro- as Red Lobster. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> that's how the chance were going. <laughs> that's it. fine. I, listen, uh, you Reed know, Lebster, it, what a great name. Listen, I, I, I'll say this because this has been going around for the last uh, week or so, at least in my Twitter feed about nicknames. Um, it least it's not our leb or Lebby or reedster which is there's no creativity in nicknames anymore they're all the friggin' same every like i'm watching something on tv and yeah, the, the 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 guy who the i'm watching something and i just was flipping it around and you know the the other participant on the on on on, on the camera uh, Damian Woody, the former NFL lineman. Oh, and D Wood. What did you? Think? Who can? Why does everybody's nickname have to be the same? Nicknames are supposed to be created and earned, 
and come up naturally, not fake, like <laughs> like like that everybody it. does. Uh, I mean, geez. I love it. I'm sorry, I know we're off topic, but you brought up nicknames. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love that. I love Reed Lebster. That's awesome. If I was in the box calling the game, I would be calling him Red Lobster. Of course you would. Time. Thankfully, you're not. <laughs> yeah. And then there's another Kessel. Matthew Kessel got a goal, but but Bobby Trevino was uh, just fantastic. He's been he's been fantastic, Paul, in my eyes since I saw him play against ASU a while back, uh, his freshman year, uh, at Oceanside. The kid was making an impression then. And, uh, uh, all indications are he's great uh, off the ice as well, from whatever I've been told. Um, also, our guest tonight, uh, Brendan Shaw, is going to join us here in just a few minutes. And Brendan was an original member of UMass Hockey. I, know, I didn't know if you knew that before, but... I want to let you know that uh, he was one of the originals, and he'll tell us uh, about that. The other thing that he told me that I thought was really cool was he is involved in their program to the point now as an alumni where they have a mentor-mentee um, program, and he was the uh, mentor all season long to Oliver Chow. So uh, him and Oliver would talk once a week, and I'm just dying to hear what those conversations were like uh, through a COVID season, but what a great program that is, right, for UMass. And, and Greg Carvel's done just a fantastic job in his time there watching um, what he's done with the program and built them to two national championship title games, the last two, and then winning this one. Uh, they finished the season at 25-4, and four, which is pretty impressive. St. Cloud, 2011-0, and 0, that's equally as impressive. Um, but somebody had to win, somebody had to lose, so... That's where we end up at, but... Well, listen, uh, we don't... Go ahead. No, I said all in all, it was a really good Frozen Four, considering what could have happened based on the uh, 2021 season of college hockey and and the last 15 months of the world, (laughs) basically, right? Absolutely. Um, You know, uh, John Butchcross got it right last night when he talked about... um, Everybody can breathe now. We got here, and we were never sure whether or not we would. Um, so uh, he got that part right for sure, and and that's and and I would agree with that a thousand percent. We got here. We got to the end, and um, you know it's uh, a, 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 it's it feels weird. But at the same time, it feels good. And by the way, yeah. we cover for obvious reasons or maybe not obvious to everybody uh, as much as we try to, to touch base around uh, as much as we can. Obviously, we're focused on places west of the Mississippi in terms of schools, um, in, in terms of NCAA hockey. Um, and so we, didn't, we, we don't cover a lot of hockey's. Um, and one of the things that I want to get into with Brendan is, you know, if you weren't aware of the UMass story, it's pretty good. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's better pretty than good. pretty good, Paul. It's really good. Well, okay. You know, you, you know me, I don't like to uh, embellish well, or, but it's a darn good story. And well, let me tell you, and, and you're going to get into the story with him in a minute, but let me tell you the, the listeners a little bit 
about how this all came about. UMass wins their game on Thursday night. Friday morning, I get a text, and then I get phone calls from Brendan until I finally answer the calls. And he's going, hey, buddy, you want to talk to Coach Carvel? I'm going like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk to Coach Carvel. He goes, let me set it up for you. So uh, that that's how good a, a guy Brendan Shaw is coming on. Um, and sure enough, about an hour later, he said, hey, he, here's his text message. He said he'll uh, he'll find a time, so you guys work it out. We worked it out, and on the morning, Paul, you were with me, I think. You were kind of drifting in and out on me, but oh, yeah, you were with me. Definitely, yeah, I was definitely uh, – uh, I don't know what yeah. I heard more of your your chair creaking or you moaning, but, but it was uh, pretty rough. Probably the same noise. <laughs> but anyway, we were able to get Coach Carvel on the morning of the NCAA championship game, one of his biggest games, probably the biggest game of his coaching career, at least in college. Which and, is amazing. Uh, yeah, which is totally amazing. Um, and we're grateful, by the way. And and I sent him a message last night. Um, and just said, you know, congratulations on the win, coach. I thought you played really well. You guys deserved it. And then uh, I, I didn't really expect to get anything back. Well, today, Paul, as I'm driving, I get a phone call from Coach Carvel, and he's thanking me for having him on the show. And I'm going like, what? You well, we we'll just have to, to remember that, that for next year when they get to the championship <laughs> game. We'll have to figure out, you know, we'll have uh, the two coaches saying, listen, we had Carvel on last year. And UMass won, so you guys duke it out uh, for which one wants to come on the program. Yeah, exactly. But so, what a great just, guy! And, and you know, to and think thank of you that, very much once again for him, to him and Brendan for for coming on the the program. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Brendan is totally locked up with stuff. So when he comes on, we have UMass to talk about. He's a Kachinas coach. He's a Junior Coyotes coach. He's got his kids that he's uh, trying to keep track of and watch what they do, uh, along with uh, a real job. So, I mean, the what? guy, I don't know, he he, he probably doesn't sleep um, as much as I do, which is not much. So, yeah, well, <laughs> By the way, I'm just throwing this in there because it's what I do. ASU 3-1 lifetime against UMass. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> nice. Good, good one. That's exactly the way we wanted to start the show. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> hey, Brendan's gonna come on and support UMass, right? Yeah. God knows, and I know what you support UMD. Oh uh, yeah. Did I mention so, that they didn't? They didn't? They didn't fare too well. Uh, I think we might have Brendan on right now. So let's uh, let's put playing around. Let's get right to our guest. Brendan, do we have him? If that is Brendan. How are you guys? I'm hey, here. Good. How are you, my friend? So I'm just getting out of an elevator. How you doing? Excellent. Just getting out of an elevator shaft. Give me one sec. <laughs> hey, no problem. Take your time. Let us know when you're ready. That's Is that fine. better? We don't care. Is that yeah. better? Yeah, it's better. Yeah, that's better. Perfect. A little bit of an echo. So how are you guys? Oh, we're good. I, listen, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you for uh, getting the coach on, and thanks for coming on and setting the whole thing up, and Absolutely. appreciate it very much. Of course, I'm happy, always happy to help you guys. You know? Okay, so so let me just summarize this whole thing for people. I did a little bit before you came on, Brendan, but um, I'm at the game Saturday night. I'm watching what I think is the best overtime period I've seen ever and uh, in, in, in terms of domination. And it ended up the way it should have ended up. Um, 
and I get back to the hotel late because it was an overtime game on the second game. I get back there late, and the first thing that I wake up to is you calling me to uh, ask me if I want to talk to Coach, and I'm going like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, we connect, and I and talk to Coach Carvel, and then he sends a message back on our group text, and he says, hey, uh, I, I know I told you 10.45, but I'm going to have to go at 11 because I'm dealing with some COVID issues. And I'm going like, oh, coach, man, uh, first of all, I'm sorry. And second of all, you don't need to come on if that's the case. And he said, no, no, I'm coming on. <laughs> so, so a man of his word, 11 o'clock uh, Saturday, he joins our show. Uh, we could tell he was hustling and bustling around the arena because we could hear the, the beeping of Zambonis and everything running around. But um, what an incredible day. Uh, what an incredible day for the program. And uh, I want to start things off with you by – telling us about your time at UMass and what it was like to be part of the very first team. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what I wanted to kind of get across is what people don't understand is how hard it is and being close friends with Greg Powers and understanding what he's going through, but how difficult it is to build a program. Not only, you know, present form, but to build success. And as I, as I would tell anybody, and I told you this, when I started, I showed up there. We had, you know, two-thirds of everybody was a freshman. We had some transfers, but there was no culture. There was no, hey, here's what you do. Hey, here's how you're supposed to act. Hey, here's how you're supposed to... We didn't have a hockey program. So it was, it was the complete genesis of figuring out life on campus as a team with no prior history. So it, 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 was, it was amazing because I had a lot of friends who were at, you know, say a BU or a BC or UNH, whatever. They all went in and they were said, oh, you know, when I showed up, the seniors told me to do this. So they told me to do that and I just did it. Well, we really didn't have that. We just kind of had to blaze our own trail and, you know, feel free to cut me off because I got a lot to say. But no, no, it, no, don't go ahead. It, it was incredible because we all, you know, went to... UMass because we felt like we were going to be part of something bigger, something which we just had this experience. We all thought it was not going to take this long, but we <laughs> felt like we were going to be builders. And it, it and I would compare this, and I had the same conversation with my girls program, Scott, my Kachinas program, because I said, you have an opportunity to be part of something that is a legacy opportunity, something that will build and grow and live on forever. But I think that was really the thing. But at the same time, it was hard. I mean, I could give you specific examples. I would tell people, I said, I remember I, we went up to Maine, and I think we were down 6 nothing. I hadn't even played yet. Or uh, we played BU in the playoffs, and they beat us 13-1, and they had this fight song that would go. And I think there was a couple <laughs> times where the fight song was still going, and they scored again, and they had to turn the fight song back on. And again, my, I had friends on. I had friends hold, on the other hold, team. Let me, let me interrupt you one minute because I, I now know the UMass fight song. I believe. Yeah. I heard that quite a few times. Sure. Night, and, and congratulations on that. But yeah, go ahead and continue. I just want to let you know that I, I know the fight song now. Yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> but imagine you know playing at Walter Brown Arena against BU. And they're lighting you up. And, and I had friends on those other teams, you know, whether it was Mike Greer or Chris Kelleher or, you know, John Hines, who's the, the coach now, the Preds. 
like these are my buddies and they're like oh my god it was just it was just one of those things but you had to blaze a trail and that and that's one of the things where as greg and i spoke when i went out there this summer was just kind of understanding you know where the program is and and one of the things it's interesting and, and i'll kind of give you some direct insight they have this whole new mass thing i don't know if you read it with the their whole their branding and everything and, and a lot yep, of guys yep some guys took offense to that because they didn't want it to be new mass well it's like what about all the work we put in so there was there was a little bit of sensitivity from some people because yeah it's new mass and we're you know we're we're blazing a trail but there were people that you know kind of had to understand what did new mass really mean were we forgetting the past or were we embracing the past so that was some interesting dialogue and conversation that we went through as alumni as that evolution of it and, and and I would tell you the most amazing thing that's happened to us as a group over the last, say, three months and really culminated this week is we as alumni or former teammates or former roommates have all come together incredibly because of this. So I feel extremely thankful and I feel thankful for what Greg has done for our group, galvanizing us and kind of bringing us all back together. And, you know, I haven't been... I, you know, I've, I've been out of there for what, 22, 23 years, but at the same time, we're, we're reconnected, we're regalvanized. And I, and I can't explain to you how that feels. You know, I saw the videos today of when the bus came back, you know, on a closed <laughs> loop, but it was cool. You know, it gave me the chills. It was just one of those things that we all, the reason why we went there as an expansion program was something like this. And I, you know, the understanding that how long this takes to not just be successful, to win, against the heavyweights of the world and i think it's only going to get harder if you look at this transfer portal stuff that... oh god we get that's, an, that's two or three shows brendan before we even get into that i, I i'm just going to add a little context here and you can tell me if i'm wrong or not just to let other people understand it um there was no team at umass for about 15 years and they were a division two team before that and when they came back and were Division One, there was a long period of time, folks, where double-digit wins was a really good season for this team. Am I correct in, in, in putting that into context? Well, that didn't exist when I was there. <laughs> you know, you're talking about 6, 28, and 4, 8, and you know what I mean? Like, that's what it was, you know? But no, you no, were, I understand. But you were playing UNH, BU, BC... Uh, all the heavyweights and they were strong yes. and it was like yes. you're coming in to their turf and they're like who who, who do you think you are because we also had the nicest rink <laughs> so everybody you know the, the real evolution of umass hockey started with the strength in the basketball program right so, i just so i just me... wanted to put it into a little bit of context here so people understood it that's all yeah, it did not exist. And it's funny because I talk to people and they're like, oh, you guys have always been good. And I'm like, no, we haven't. <laughs> We've had a lot of good players, but we haven't always been good. And it's right. extremely competitive in that area because everybody's fighting for the same player. And, right. you know, you have to reinvent yourself. It, it's no different, you know, my my assistant coach knows that UMass became the head coach at Merrimack. And he's like, I can't compete 
in Massachusetts for the Massachusetts kids. I got to go out of, out of Massachusetts to find those kids. It's, it's not, you know, you're not always going to win the war if you fight it head to head. You got to fight it in different ways. Right. And by the way, folks, uh, if you don't know, Greg Carville's first year as the head coach at UMass, they only won five games. Right. So, <laughs> and that that wasn't that long ago. And no. He's, uh, he's turned this thing around really quickly. But Brendan, let me throw out a couple of things, and then I get your comments on it. But uh, some of the things that I learned just in the the last couple of days about being around those guys, and actually all four teams, but I knew the Minnesota teams pretty well, obviously being a Minnesotan, and mm-hmm. I knew all three of the Minnesota coaches pretty well. Oh, thank I you for that, coach by the way, Carvel. Brendan. Thank God you <laughs> finally beat Duluth. Oh my lord, I was mi- I uh, couldn't take it anymore. Thank you okay, very much. Okay, okay, okay. We got enough. Okay, so anyway. What I picked up around the Massachusetts program was exactly what you started talking about, the connection. And then when you tell me um, that you were a mentor and mentee, and then I focused in on number 20, and I'll let you talk about that in a minute. But then I watched the celebration last night, and I purposely stayed around because the arena emptied out, but the guys stayed on the ice. I swear it was a half hour after the game ended. They were taking pictures everywhere. Everybody was getting a chance to, to show off the trophy. The uh, limited amount of fans that were there were gathered in a corner of the, the arena, and it was just such a class act. So so tell us about the Mentor-Mentee program and who you mentored all season long. Sure. So they UMass started a program 18 months ago where you were able to have a student-mentee if you wanted to, and, and, and it's, there's some things I've learned over the course of time, but my student mentee was Oliver Chow, number 20 senior. He and I engaged a year ago, midway through the season, and, you know, we kind of worked like that, but he and I talk at least, you know, every other week, and, you know, as things built up, it was, you know, every other day, but it, it's, it's been a wonderful experience for me to kind of reconnect with the program, because it's one thing to kind of hear from a coach or whatever, but it's another thing to hear from a from a kid who's fighting it out or dealing with COVID or dealing with not seeing his parents or just dealing with the little things that are occurring that nobody realizes the sacrifice that these kids put in. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting at is that um, that relationship is really pretty cool because you don't think of college kids maybe needing that but i think they do need that especially in a time like covid right yeah and it, and it's interesting just to hear from a different voice because i can talk to greg or i can talk to oliver and i can kind of talk to both of them at different levels and just kind of communicate or it, and one of the things i asked oliver and this was interesting i said what happens to you if they shut the season down? And I said this in October or November because I'm trying to look out for the kid. I'm like, I want you to think ahead. If the season gets shut down because he's a senior, what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I haven't thought about it yet. I'm like, well, you better start thinking about it because you got your own future to look at. The program is going to live on. You might not. And, you know, ultimately he probably wants to sign a deal or he may have a fifth year. But it was just an interesting conversation to say, what are you going to do? What if? And, you know, a lot of people don't want to live in what ifs, but we all have responsibilities to, to bring it up to other people that what if something happens, what are you going to do? And he had a good discussion with his agent. He got a good discussion with Greg. 
it was just an interesting conversation to have with a kid to, to try to add value to his life because he was adding value to mine, really reconnecting me with my program, which he didn't realize. Yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you this. As things got closer and they were dealing with the COVID with their leading scorer and their goal, their best goaltender and all of those types of things, what type of conversations did you and Oliver have, if you can share any of them with me, about um, the anxiety that must have been building in that locker room? Like, my goodness, we're almost to this pinnacle of the hockey world, the college hockey world, and now we're getting hit with this. Yeah, well, I, I think they became extremely resilient. So I don't, I don't think anything affected. I, I think the biggest thing that affected them is not that the COVID thing happened, is that it hadn't happened to them all year. And they had this gold star of being the only program that nobody got nicked up. And then it happened at the most inopportune time. I think that was the only thing. But from talking with the group, and, and we've, we also did some really cool other things that because of COVID, and I'll kind of explain, go into that a little bit, but they became really resilient. They were like, you know, it's us against the world. Because one of the things that I asked Greg, because we did these, we started doing these Zoom calls and saying, okay, we're going to have a coach Zoom call. Or we're going to have an alumni Zoom call. We're going to bring in some of the players. And, and I asked him point blank. I said, you know, I've been coaching kids for 20 years. I said, how are you keeping these kids out of trouble? You know, how are you keeping them locked up in their room together <laughs> you know, you, you hear all these stories of, you know, innocent things of somebody going to a party or whatever, and it just, everything bad happens. Like, I explain, asked him that. He's like, well, we just got a very, very strict expectation, and we got a great group. And I said, yeah, I know, but you, you, these kids are locked up for 9, 12 months. And he's like, yeah, just we just kind of did our thing. Because that, that was one of the things that fascinated me, is how do you manage 25 young people who are at the pinnacle of their sport and expect them because they're not getting paid. It's not like these guys are making 7 million bucks a year. They're not making anything. And they're college like, students. That's what I mean. <laughs> you know, that, that was a really interesting aspect that I tried to understand is, you know, not, not only is it just the sacrifice of being a student athlete, having a goal, it's, you know, there are kids doing whatever they're doing, but you are held to a standard. And I can't imagine being the one to potentially hamper that. Yeah. Well, let, Paul, I'll get you in there in just a second. No, I Doug, go more. ahead. I, I have no problems interrupting. You know that. I've been doing this for a while. Okay. So, so Brendan, uh, here's two things that, that were interesting. Colorado College, as you know, had two outbreaks. One right before the, the pod and then one right at the end of the season, which canceled their uh, last two games with Denver, which really frustrated both sides. Um, And so that's one story, and I thought, gosh, you know, the first time with Colorado College, it was one kid, and I'm going like, oh, my goodness, how do you deal with that if you're the kid, and how do you deal with it if you're his teammates? Because you're frustrated, but yet you got to take him in, right, And, and, and make him a part of it. But then on the other side of the coin, just down the street in Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy, uh, Frank Saratori said that when they started getting COVID cases, and he didn't do this on purpose, I don't think, but, but, <laughs> but he said it was like an old chicken pox party back in the days where as soon as a kid got chicken pox, 
the mothers yeah. had a, a big party and everybody got it and you got over it. Uh, and that's kind of what happened to Air Force. So at the end of the season, Air Force had everybody on their roster had already had COVID. And they were in that 90-day window where they could go play. So Frank at tournament time was really excited about his team because he said, hey, we can't get COVID now. We, we're in the window. Yeah. <laughs> so it, those two things are pretty strange, aren't they? Absolutely. And, I, and I, you know, I dealt it with my own youth teams where I had a, a, an outbreak with my girls team i never had anyone with my boys team and i'm super paranoid because we're going to nationals <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to nationals shut in two up, and a half up, weeks don't say it. Don't well say it's it. true i mean I, i've had this discussion and you know you get these kids going to high school but i said the same thing where we had a few of our players get it so when there was a potential contract tracing the second time the players that had it didn't have to get quarantined and i'm like well why don't we all get it you know between the group you know it's just it was just one of those things it was an interesting discussion i said well it's different you know with kids and families etc but at the same time that was a conversation that i had within a small group of people just saying well if we all had it i guess we don't have to worry about it anymore but that's that is something that i've had discussions with as a, a youth coach with the same type of situation all right so you get that your 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 team gets to the Frozen Four. They 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 win a classic game on Thursday night. Now it's the second straight year you've gotten to the championship game. As you're getting ready to sit down and watch the game, and I know you were, even though I don't know what you were doing. Uh, what's going through your head, just as a fan, let alone a, a guy who played on the team? I was more emotionally engaged in these games and I don't think I've ever been watching a hockey game before because it was just it gave you this this weird surreal feeling because it was almost like you know you're playing you know when we played Duluth one of my really close friends is Mike DeAngelis who's an all-american ring you know honor ring of honor member you know, I was talking to him. And then one of my assistant coaches for my girls team is Katie McGovern, who played at Duluth. And like, yeah, we're going for the three-peat. And I'm like, can we at least get one? Can we at least get one? You know, can, yeah. you, can, you, can you do us a favor? Can we at least get one? Because, you know, you, there, there's, the, there's all these riches of these blue blood programs. And I was looking through where, oh, you yeah. know, Michigan's got nine and BU's got five and Duluth's got five and... What we all fail to realize is our program is only, what, 27 years old now. Right. And at the same time, I never, never truly realized this. We only have about 140 alumni. So when you get all the group together, it's like, that's all we have. And when you think about it, <laughs> you got four to six players a year over the 20-something years. Yeah. That's all there is. There's really yeah. not a lot of us because it's just the program isn't old enough and isn't mature enough to right. have more. It's just that's you, – you don't really think in those terms of numbers. You think there's hundreds and hundreds, but there's right. only there's only 140 of us out there. Right. So I actually want to backtrack a little bit. You're going into that overtime game with Duluth. Have you? I don't – forget about just college hockey. I don't really remember ever seeing – a regulation overtime period dominated by one team as much as UMass dominated that period against Duluth. Now, maybe you have a different experience, but I don't think I've ever – I've never seen that. Well, I believe that Duluth outplayed UMass 
during the regulation and I was I was like is he gonna pull back he was super aggressive like he was pinching his D all over the place and I, I know the D is the strength of that team right but he, he was so aggressive and he continued on and and the resilience of the group and I heard Quint Kessnick say during the period he said you know we're going down he said we're going down swinging we're going down swinging like they were like we're not changing our style of play and I think it was interesting because most coaches would be like, all right, it's overtime. We got to back off. We got to back off. We gotta, <laughs> and he did not back off at all. Those deactivated every opportunity they can. And it was just, it was incredible to watch. Yeah, it, you know, was, it, and, it was the most dominating 15 minutes of overtime. I, I mean, uh, where, uh, that, that, like I said, I mean, between NHL playoff games and, and, and you know, my – I would say probably five years, well, six years now, because ASU's been around for six years, of really following college hockey in depth. Um, I can't remember an overtime period that was that one-sided. But it was almost the the polar opposite of the game. There were points in time <laughs> where... Yeah, well... That's what I mean. Like It was dominating, but it the, the, in reference to the regulation game... I think Duluth carried the play because they wanted to play below the goal line. Everything was take pucks to the net. And I'm like, they got to, you know, in the inside, we, we got to change. We got to do this. And they didn't change a thing. I mean, they made some adjustments with their center and what they were doing. But but you are right. The, the, the shift in momentum was incredible. And I, uh, UMass was playing with a goalie that hadn't played in three months. Yes, and, and and a backup goalie that was the equipment manager. Yeah, that was great. That, that was so, great. so Brendan, I, I asked Coach Carvel that. I said, what did you say between the third period and the overtime? And he said, I didn't have to say much, except I did tell them that we owed them one because they kind of took it to us in the second period. And, yes. then, and, and then he elaborated on it, and I said, so, so was that the most dominating period that you've seen uh, in overtime? He goes, yeah, it might have been. But he said, uh, you know, we actually were dominating so much that we could change lines and not leave the zone. Yes. <laughs> and that was a fact. That went on for like 12 minutes yeah. uh, where they were just had the puck in the, in the zone and they would just do a line change on the fly. But the cycle never ended. And yeah. And, and that's hard. It's hard to do as a player to really oh, give, sure. up on, to give up on a shift that you're dominating to then have yeah. the the discipline to say, okay, I've been out here 35, 40 seconds. I can change. Like that's hard to do as well. So, so that was extremely impressive when they were doing that, because think about it, you're dominating a team and you're like, we're going to score. I'm going to get the goal to then skate off the ice and change is, is, is incredibly yeah. disciplined by the players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. that was unreal. That was unreal. So, now you get to the championship game, and you hear that a lot, actually. You know, players don't really uh, get as nervous as, as, as people watching. I, I assume it's for the same reasons, because you can't do anything about what happens, right? Oh, of course. But I also feel, and I, I've, I've noticed this a lot with the NHL, the, the crowd tends to change momentum and, and the swings haven't occurred since COVID started because the game is so much ebb and flow that there wasn't as much of that. The, the crowd wasn't able to kind of shift the momentum. And in, in a neutral site game, it, it's very all over the place. And college hockey is, is famous for being just 
wild shifts in momentum because they're still young and but right. it, it's it's incredible how all that stuff goes down all right so now did you text back all these uh duluth folks that were texting you before the game <laughs> and say uh now you want to talk or did you just no they, they they were extremely congratulatory and, I, and I, that's what i don't think a lot of people realize is <laughs> People in hockey have a common bond, whether it's professional or college or whatever, and everybody's respectful. You know, everybody understands how hard it is, but there is a common bond because, you know, my my junior coach played at St. Cloud and he sent a message to myself and another former alumni because he had coached us and he kind of gave us gave it to us a little bit at the beginning, but he was respectful. We're all respectful because we all understand what it takes. It's like there is a finite period to college sports, and that's what people don't get. It's not like you're in the pros and you just play as long as you play, and some play a year and some play 15. Right. You got, you know, four years, and that's it. It comes and it goes, and it, it felt like it was the longest period of my life, and, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's such a small piece, but it, it, it carries so much weight in your, your memory bank, your experiences. I, well, I, I, I do get that. Brendan, let me tell you as well, when you talk about respect, um, there was about 4,000 people in the building uh, for the championship game. That's what they allowed. Um, but even outside, um, I saw, I bet you I saw 100 different jerseys of teams that were all talking to each other, all having a good time. And they had one security dog out there for the whole group of 4,000 that was kind of just walking along, sniffing you <laughs> as you went mm-hmm. by. But going through security... It, it was just like, hey, yeah, you guys are all here together. Uh, we don't really worry too much about you guys. Empty your pockets. Go through. But it was a lot less security than you would find at an airport, for example. Sure. <laughs> and I think a lot of that had to do with just the, the nature of the people. The, the, the Pittsburgh people were so nice. The, the police that were out there were, were very cordial and, and helping you in any way possible. So it was, other than the fact it would have been nice to have about 15,000 people in there, uh, I thought what the job that was done by the NCAA with 4,000 people was really, really good. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that's, like you said, everybody, everybody was just thankful to be there and thankful that they could pull this off. And whether you're a, a Minnesota State or a Bemidji or a Minnesota Duluth, like everybody was just thankful to be there. And, and I feel so bad for a Notre Dame who just got it taken away or some of these teams that were in or Michigan. Exactly. You know, you think about how that ended for those teams. It, it, it's it, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And, you know, you get these some of these kids go on to play pro and some of them don't, but they'll never forget that. And that's it was over. It's no, done. it is awful. And, and I will throw in this because this is what I do. Army got robbed from getting an invitation, but uh, we'll, we'll, we, we can move on from that. As long as I said it, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> okay, so, Brendan, I want to ask you one more thing, because uh, I was on a radio show in Grand Forks or Fargo or both uh, on Saturday morning before Coach Carville came on our show, and uh, Eddie Christian is a friend of mine. He was the guy. He, he runs his own show, so he had me on, and he said, hey, uh, if you get a chance to ask coach, ask him how he's going to decide who his goalie is going to be. So I asked the question, but I didn't really ask it in Eddie's terms. So I'm going to ask you now because Eddie told me that in, in when he coaches youth hockey, he 
he lets the captains decide the play. And his idea was, hey, UMass played really good for this for Matt Murray on Thursday night. Does Coach Carville go in and ask the captains, um, you know, who do you think should be in goal? Because the, they'll tell him who the guys will play better for. And I'll, I asked Coach Carville, and he said, hey, we got two great goaltenders, and it is what it is, pretty much. So you as a coach at your youth levels or being a former college player, how would you take to that? Would you want yeah, the coach I, to make the decision? Or yeah, would you I, I think as the coach with that big of a decision, you have to show your players your confidence. And I don't think – I think putting that out there to the group – shows a little bit of indecision. And I think with that, you know, you've got to go with your own gut. And there are certain things that you want to create, you know, collaboration or engagement within the group. But that that's something you just got to know. It's like, I, and I'm sure before it happened, they laid it down and said, no matter what, we're going back with this kid if we can get him back. Because he played so well. And, you know, everybody's got value, and it's one of those things where it's next man up. And in that situation, Matt Murray's got to be ready if something happens. But, you know, you you got to go with what you think is the right decision. And I think that's what he did, and I'm sure he made a decision well, below, well before it happened. Yeah, I was pretty much saying the same thing. I thought what he would do is go like, hey, you know, uh, Philip Lindbergh was the guy taking us here, and through no fault of his own, he contracts uh, or test positive. That's all I want to say is test positive. And it's no fair to take it away from him if he's able to play because he would have been the guy on Thursday night too had he been able to, right? Sure. And if, if he's your guy, you've got to go with what you think is right. And that's, that's in the end, that's, that's all that matters. But you have to be confident and your players have to see that. If you're indecisive, then they'll be indecisive. They, you have to have confidence in them and your decision, and that's, I think, what he did. And decisions like that are what they're paying him for, to be honest. Exactly. You have to be decisive, and I think that's one of the things he's really been with his whole process. I think he had... Because I remember when, before he got hired, there was this national coaching search and there was things going on and because there was a lot of unhappy alumni, you know, there was a, a huge lull in the program and everybody's like, what are we doing and where are we going as a program and what, what did we put in? And, you know, that was one of the things that we were told is he was extremely decisive and, you know, it's just one of those things that you have to have confidence in your own ability as a coach to make it and you got to go down swinging no matter what it is right wrong or indifferent I think that's something that he's really brought to the table as a a process a commitment but also a decisiveness on here's what we're doing and here's how we're going to get there and, and a belief okay I don't want to go crazy on these last two topics for me but um just, I just want to get your quick opinion on it you kind of talked about it. This I call it the NCAA free agency frenzy with this transfer portal and the extra year with the NCAA. And I don't think the NCAA expected it to go like this. <laughs> I'm almost certain they didn't. But I want to get your opinion on that. And then secondly, when you're done with that, tell us a little bit about your teams because I was telling the listeners before you came on that uh, I don't know how you ever sleep because you are so committed <laughs> to so many different things. But uh, you need to tell us about the Kachinas and your junior Coyotes and the successes that they have had. So the first sure. one on the transfer portal. The portal, it, it just, to, to me, it's 
it's very dangerous, in my opinion, because I think the rich are only going to get richer. I think the, the flexibility, and I think it's a great thing, but I think it's so loose right now where you just kind of throw your name in the hat, and, and, and it's as much in hockey as it is in basketball or whatever, where these, these players that are available can be swooped up very, very quickly and added to a piece in this, the, the, the transition aspect where back when I played, if you transferred, you had to sit out a year. And I don't think that's happening anymore. And I think it's a great thing because I think some of those things were happening way back when where you look at some of these sports and a coach gets a new job and he leaves and you're a player and then you get a new coach in, but you're stuck was unfair. But... I, I think it's 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 very fluid right now, and I, I I think down the line there are going to have to be changes because you because you're looking at a major split in the haves and the have-nots. So I think that's something, you know, just looking at it from the outside, it, it's very quick, it's very nimble. You know, I had a friend of mine whose son just went through the portal and he came in, came out, and now he's somewhere else, and good for him, but. You know, if the rich can get richer that much faster, you know, if you're on the top of the heap, it's much easier to stay there. If you can just reload with a, a, a proven sophomore or junior who's already done his thing and is either not happy or whatever. But, you know, I, I just think it's going to be an interesting take down the line as, as they evaluate this because it's, it, it's very fluid as to what's going on. Okay. Now your Kachinas and your Junior Coyotes. Give us a plug. Tell us what these sure. uh, these kids have been doing because they've been doing some great stuff. Yeah, so the my Kachinas team is uh, we finished in the top twenty in the nation in double A, moving to triple A next year. We did not qualify for nationals. We had a a rough weekend where we just had a what I would call a power outage. We were not scoring the way we <laughs> normally were, and just didn't. We we lost uh, a couple close ones to teams that we'd already beaten. So our season is pretty much wrapped up unless we were to get a wild card, but there's just so many things going on with, with COVID. My boys team, we did qualify for nationals and we'll be going to Grand Rapids uh, two and a half weeks. I think it's around the 27th of April for the 16 nationals. So that's an exciting period, but it's, it's been hard because they moved everything back an extra month. So my team... Pretty much we've gone six weeks without any meaningful games and we still got another two and a half weeks to go to kind of get to that place. But it's uh, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for hockey because, you know, the growth not only in Arizona but across the country of players from non-traditional markets is has really changed the game. And it was – I'll pivot this a little bit, but it was interesting because – this whole biosteel game that we had four kids from Arizona in. Yeah. I grew up I grew up in New England and I don't know that the number was so low that everybody was complaining because what's happening to hockey in New England, we don't have this and uh, Arizona's got four and it's more than all of New England. So what's going on? So we, <laughs> so we have these interesting uh, back and forth with groups that I know of just evolution of hockey and development and, you know, I don't want to say there's a lack of respect for the West, but there are a lot of people that are frustrated in the East Coast because, you know, people in the West are taking a big bite out of the pie. So that's that's been interesting uh, from what I've seen as a coach, but it's exciting. I think the talent pool is stronger. The kids are better. I'm still a firm, firm believer, and I tell people this all the time, that I think Los Angeles itself will be the number one hockey market in, in the United States in the next 10 years. 
Uh, well, you, listen, you, did, you, you uh, didn't see what Coach Powers. Did. Hold on one second, Paul. You didn't see what Coach Powers' daughter's team did, right? Qualified for yeah. nationals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he and I were talking last night because he said congrats, et cetera, et cetera. So we were yeah. back and forth. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting for everybody, and that's uh, it's a fun time for for the sport. It's growing. Hopefully, there'll be more growth. Help. Hopefully, there'll be more. West Coast college teams, Pac-12, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you look into the SEC and you look into, you know, whether it's a Texas or a Texas A&M. Their kids there now, and they got money because they're all football schools. So, oh yeah, why not? You know, University of Florida has a pretty big budget, and and hockey is actually a revenue sport if you look across the board. So. You know, I think only great things are going to come, and I think it's 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 growth, it's development, it's it's a, it's a fun time for everybody. It's a, just a fun time to watch and be a part of. Listen, I just I just throw this plug in because I like to do it. Um, look at where I live on Long Island. Uh, it is a quote unquote traditional market, but people are still always surprised with the amount of kids that that come out of here and end up being big time college players. If not the NHL, at least big time college players. So. Yeah. Uh, there are even places in traditional quote-unquote markets that are underserved. No, you look at what Adam Fox is doing, or you look at what Charlie McAvoy's doing. I mean, these kids are Long Island kids that are just absolutely lighting it up right now. So I, I totally agree. And you got LIU coming off the, and it's just the the opportunity is endless. Where hockey was more of a regional sport, northeast to Minnesota, North Dakota, and now it's popping up all over the place you know say there's no reason there shouldn't be something in st louis there's no and more opportunity more kids more kids more everything i think i think it's just an exciting time oh absolutely can i give you breaking news mm-hmm. uh lindenwood is coming on board as an ncaa team in two years fantastic they are playing a hybrid season this year and then next year they will become a ncaa program so yeah. there's your st louis connections getting started um I don't, Paul probably has one more, but I'm going to give you one last chance to uh, shout out the University of Massachusetts Amherst. I want you to tell people that are listening why they should consider that university and that hockey program as an option for them. Well, yeah, I think it's a fantastic school. I mean, if you're if you're looking for a big school with a diverse academic background, state of the art facility in Hockey East, which is a it's a bus league, so you're not flying all over the country. It, it's a fantastic place to play, but it's a it's a big school in a small town. There really is nothing else there. You got twenty five thousand people. You got a couple other schools, but it's not like you're going into a major city. And it's just it's a really really fun place to be. And if that's what you're looking for, but if you're looking for a smaller school, UMass probably isn't the place for you. But what they've done is everything we've always hoped and that and that's and as i told uh coach carvel last night i just said thank you i said thank you for bringing us all together and it's been exciting to reconnect with roommates and teammates and friends that you know we lost touch and this was a reason for all us to come back together and so you know it's a great place to be it's a great place to play it might not be for everybody, but for me, it was I had an amazing time and amazing friends still to this day. And if you're into sports management, it's number one sports management program in the country. So if that's 
something else. And it's just, it's a, it's a great place to be. So I, I would encourage people if there was an opportunity then to, to look at it, but it, not everything's for everybody. So, you know, I understand that, but I'm a huge advocate. I'm a huge fan as well as some other places where some of my friends are either coaches or whatever, but I just want kids to advance to the highest level and, and achieve their goals. I think that's the number one thing. Absolutely. Paul, you got and one last one? And I was going to say absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be in a college town. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. It's part of the experience. Yes. Um, when 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 I went to ASU, it was it it was much more of a college town feel because we were kind of separated from everything else. Uh, I don't know if it's that I can't say it's that way now, but uh, I'm not a student now. Um, but it absolutely was, and 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 if that's for you, go for it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Well, Brendan, thanks for taking time because I know you are a very busy man. I, you, you know, I drove 12 hours today through five states, 864 miles, and I probably still didn't accomplish nearly as much <laughs> as you have already. Well, I, I was on the ice for three hours today, so plus, awesome. plus, plus my you. kids had three other games, so it was, uh, it, was a, it was an exciting day, and I, I'll do it all again tomorrow. Thank uh, you, sir, very it. much. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, and congratulations again for being a UMass alum because they held their head very high, very proud, and they well deserved it. I appreciate you guys. Best of luck, and as you know, Thank reach you. out anytime if, you, if I can help you. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you, Brendan. That's Brendan Shaw, folks. He's a UMass alum. He's a Kachina coach. He's a junior coyote coach. He has a little bit of everything. Paul and I are going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back to wrap things up on College Hockey Southwest Live. We've all been there. We know what kind of gift to get someone, but sometimes it can be too hard to make sure that the gift is the right size or style. So we shrug our shoulders and try to think of something else. Well, if that person is the hockey player in your life, the answer is easy. A gift certificate or a gift card to Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Whether you go to any of our Three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com, our gift cards are the perfect solution. Sports equipment, especially hockey equipment, has to feel right to the user. And the Behind the Mask gift card allows you to show the player how much you care and lets them pick out what's right for them, whether we're talking about sticks, gloves, skates, or more. Pick one up today at any of our Behind the Mask locations in Gilbert, Peoria, or Scottsdale, or at BehindTheMask.com. top teams. America's number one conference is back. See every play, every hit, every goal on nchc.tv. Your home for more than 100 live games. Stream anywhere from the start of the season leading up to the frozen face-off. If it's NCHC hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old. 
to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, not to know. Now. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player. Or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of Summer Skate. You can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Live going a little long again tonight, but that's uh, to be expected when you have a great guest like Brendan Sean. You just want to talk forever. But, uh, Paul, as I always do, I want to get your input as to uh, – what you heard from Brendan? Well, listen, it's 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 always nice to get uh, the the inside information, so to speak. I, I don't know how to quite put that, but you know, to, to get uh, some thoughts from inside the program that just won the national championship, um, and just so people understand that you know this is not just more context. Uh, the big story about last night's game in the athletic was about the relationship between the team that won last night, the program, and its alumni. So this is not somebody uh, just saying things because he's quote on the inside. Okay, so if yeah, you, if, you, if so, that's that's and 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 also I I get what he's talking about with this team uh, pulling the entire community together. Um, you know, we talk about ASU on this program, and, and, and I keep, you know, we, we try to keep inside, you know, personal things out of a lot of this. But if not for the, the school starting their hockey program six years ago, okay, I'm kind of in a place now with, with fellow ASU alum and, and, fail, and fellow ASU people that, you know, over the last year plus or so, because of uh, COVID and everything else, that I don't know if I would be where I am without the, the, the fact that ASU started a hockey program. I know it's not quite the same thing because I didn't play and I'm not playing. Okay. But it is it rekindled my connection with the university. It, it was always easy to watch the teams play, but for whatever reason, I, the personal connection was not there. Yeah. Because, and, that's, and, uh, and especially being here on the East Coast, 
where there aren't as you know where there's there are plenty of ASU alum on the East Coast, but there's no uh, there you know it's not like you can you run into them everywhere you go. Yeah, I mean that, that that's one hundred percent true. And and if you've seen if you had seen the celebration afterwards, um, I understand it's COVID. There were not enough fans there to really uh, wholeheartedly have a celebration like they deserved. But man, the connection between those players, those coaches, and that fan base was really something to be uh, very proud of. And uh, I, I, you know, I became a UMass fan uh, over the weekend because. Everything they did was just first class. When you look at their record, Paul, and I kind of just want to wrap it up on this, but when you look at their record this year, they had a uh, 759 winning percentage. They were 11-2-2 at home. They were 13-5-4 in their own conference for a 682 winning percentage. They ended the season on a seven-game winning streak. Um, They were 4-0-0 in neutral uh, uh, site games. I mean – in a COVID season or any season, that's impressive. That's a pretty darn good record. That is for sure. So when you talk about the COVID season and wondering, you know, in, during the chaos of selecting the uh, the teams for the tournament, I don't think you could have ended up with four teams much better. I mean, I guess if maybe North Dakota had gotten in, they were probably more deserving. And Army, of course, should have been in the tournament. But goodness gracious, I mean, what a great way to finish a terrible year of uh, in the world uh, to have it finished like it did. So congratulations to both St. Cloud State and uh, UMass because they, they both played well. But UMass was just a team of destiny. When they won that overtime game, uh, I think we both knew that they were going to be a force in the championship game. Well, a force, yeah. But once again, in a single game, one and done, you never know. Yep, that's true. But uh, like I said, it was uh, you know, pretty St. impressive. Cloud- St. Cloud doesn't hit that crossbar. Different game, right? Inches. Yeah, you think it always is. a game. Of, always a yeah. game of inches. So <laughs> you think it is, and that was the same thing with what happens if Minnesota Duluth scores on those two chances in the final minute oh, sure. of regulation. Uh, sure, would have been a different, different completely too. But of uh, I think in in the betterment of hockey, I think this couldn't. And that's what Brendan kind of said too, is that. You know, Mike DeAngelis and, and Katie uh, shouted out to him that, you know what, we're happy for you. Uh, and I think that's the whole thing. How big of a step will this be in the growth of college hockey? I think a huge one. And I don't think we're going to be able to measure it at least for five, ten years down the road. But I think this whole program, this success of UMass, has, uh, has been really good for hockey. Of course. Absolutely. And it just it pu- it puts another team on the block, so to speak. And gives you now, you're not automatically always going to think of BU and BC when you think of East Coast powerhouses. Yep, you're exactly correct. Okay, so we're going to talk more portal. We're going to talk more NCAA tournament on Tuesday. But uh, tell us who's coming on Tuesday so everybody can tune in and make sure you're listening to it live because you won't want to miss this one, folks. Well, even though this is your job, I it's just um, – you know, and I will say, as I always do on Hi, these job. Sunday nights, it's your job. Cause I, I'll, I'll say what I always say on the Sunday night intros, because you never know whether some, you know, technology yeah. or whatever. The scheduled guest is Dave Starman. And, and it's who does CBS and, and 
did Westwood one over the weekend for the radio for the Frozen Four and his NCHC and and probably and does World Junior stuff and does if you're a hockey if you're a hockey guy, idea. Paul, you just need to say Dave Starman and that's all you everybody knows who that is. Right. Um, but we're supposed so, to go on at noon on Tuesday. Yeah, so noon, noon Eastern. Eastern. Yeah. yeah. So so ten o'clock mountain. Um, and it'll be uh, it'll be a really good show, I promise you, because he is a fantastic guest and a uh, knowledge of hockey at all levels. So looking forward to that. I uh, also want to get his take on the, the portal and what he thinks of it, because uh, that's going to be our topic all summer long. There's no doubt. About oh, yeah. Oh, it. Between yeah. between portal and new teams coming in and new coaches. And, you know, uh, we have the press conference tomorrow for the new coach at uh, Colorado College. Um, so we'll have something on that. Uh, it, it'll be a little bit of everything, but uh, our yeah. our thanks tonight to Brendan Shaw for stepping in. You really, Paul, do not understand how busy this guy is. Oh, I uh, do. I, was, get, I get it. I heard. I'm not dead. I know, but but just to coach these two teams at the same time and, oh, and listen, the I, month, I know. Oh, I coached one goodness. for a couple of years. I, I get it. I, I know oh. how crazy it was. Oh, jeez. Anyway, I I can't I can't thank him enough for hooking us up with Coach Carvel, and I can't thank Coach Carvel for for the response from him either because yeah, it was great. what a great guy. I mean, we have three three coaches that I knew and we didn't have any of them. <laughs> and we got the one guy that I don't know very well. Yeah, well. And he's just really gracious. So uh, that's low, that's low hanging that's low hanging fruit. I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you do that. Right. Um, anyway, you ready? Yeah, take it away. All right, behind the masks, college hockey Southwest live on the Ice Time hockeysw.com network is brought to you by Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com to order any of our award-winning spirits, including Añejo Blanco, our new double-distilled, triple-filtered premium taste. Behind the mask, in light, uh, in lice, listen to me, in line, (laughs) on ice, in the net, up the ice. Whatever your hockey needs are, visit our Three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Sorry about that. Uh, That's why it's a live read, Randy. I know, it's a live read. (laughs) Burrito Express, homemade tastes, takeout speed, six East Valley locations. Go to BurritoExpress.com to find the one near you. By Verizon Wireless, the 5G coverage America's been waiting for. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. It's barbecue Las Vegas style. By the NCHC, subscribe to the NCHC.TV and catch all the action from what's still the Conference of College Hockey Champions. UNLV Hockey, ACHA Division I Hockey, fabulous Las Vegas atmosphere. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, worldwide, it's where the action is, in the resort or in town. And by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, pregame, postgame, during the game place to be to be with ASU fans. College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IcetimeHockeySW.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and are available for download at iTunes, the Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Mask's College Hockey Southwest Live and all of our weekly podcasts or a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. All right. Well done, my friend. That is a live read. Uh, so that is uh, sometimes can be a little catchy, a little stumbly, but 
Good job. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, tomorrow night is uh, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. You will want to join us because we will be talking uh, trade deadline, which uh, will have just passed a few hours earlier, and uh, we'll be able to discuss that and uh, see what's going on in the world of professional hockey, at least with the teams in our coverage area. Um, then, of course, Tuesday night, Paul and I will have uh, Dave Starman on. We're going to record early, so if you want to listen live, you can still do it, 12 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Mountain uh, in the morning. Uh, you can catch us uh, live. Otherwise, it will be up for download in the evening as well. And then Wednesday night, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, as we prepare for the ACHA National Championship, which starts the 16th. So my schedule, Paul, if you care, uh, I will be in Colorado tomorrow. I will nope. be... I will be at Loveland for the Colorado Eagles and Bakersfield Condors on Tuesday night. Wednesday, I'm going to take a tour uh, guided by none other than Frank Saratori at the Air Force Academy. I'm going to run over to Colorado College and see their new building, and I'm going to meet up and uh, have a drink of some sort with Michael Wiseman, the the, uh, PR guy for NCHC. So uh, that's my Wednesday. Then I'll come back in time to catch the uh, Loveland uh, the Colorado Eagles and uh, Bakersfield Condors again. So two games there. I'll take Thursday to drive to St. Louis, and then Friday it's four games of ACHA. Saturday four games of ACHA. Sunday two games of uh, or four games of NCA of semi quarterfinals. Then the semifinals on Monday and the championship on Tuesday. Now maybe you'll get a chance to meet the new CC coach. While you're in Colorado Springs, Chris Mayotte. So uh, yeah. you could maybe sneak that in there, too. I'm going to try. Uh, <laughs> nonstop action, but only nine hours of driving tomorrow. So I'm pumped for that. Cool. Short day. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.